What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Two of this top 100 breakdown here on the call up. He's Jack McMullen. I'm Aram Layton. We're running through prospects 80 to 61 this time around. Again, if I don't know if you missed the last episode or whatever you haven't seen on Twitter, we dropped the top 100 list. It's up. It's linked in the episode description. You can go check that out. Uh, Jack, we, we used the same joke last time, but these players are better. And it's going to keep going that way until we're done with the list. So um, excited to get to now kind of the the meat of the list. Now we get 80 to 61 and then three more episodes. And we're talking about Jackson holiday. That joke's a tired act. We got to, we got to strip it and go to a different we, one. I agree. Well, we'll come up with something new by the time we get to 60 to 41. Um, but yeah, I mean, well, I don't know if there's much more of an intro, your boy, Lawrence Butler, uh, hit a bomb for his first career tank. home run. Absolute moon tank. And we're going to talk about Carson Williams in another episode because of how high we have him ranked. I yeah. do want to preface real quick. Trickle down effect of the Wander Franco situation. Carson Williams gets the bump straight up from high A to triple. I just wanted to start with that. We'll talk more about Carson Williams when we get to, I, I would assume it'll be the episode after this one or maybe the one after that. I, I'm not positive. We have him ranked very high. I think he's very good. Obviously, the Rays think he's very good, too, because they bump him up, even though there's some swing and miss concerns. He goes straight up from high to triple. Real quick, the things I want to hit on as to why he can do that and why the Rays are trying to do this. Fantastic defender. Like I, I think he could play a big league shortstop right now. Like He is that comfortable, polished, and good. The approach is actually very solid. 
where he struggles and he crushes fastballs. The reason why the K rate is high is he's a patient hitter who struggles with breaking balls. So he gets into a lot of deep counts and he's still learning how to hit breaking balls. He just turned 20. I think he'll get there. He's a very upright hitter. And I, I just I kind of see him swinging over a lot of those breaking balls. If he can add a little bit of adjustability there, which I think now he's working with way, but there's a big difference between the high A hitting coaches and the triple A hitting coaches. I can tell you that too. The triple A guys actually make a difference. I think that can help a lot too. Being surrounded by the Jonathan Arondas of the world and you know the Austin Shentons and the guys that just have been hitting in the minors for a while. And there's a lot of really good hitters in that on that team. I think will be good for Carson Williams. I think the K rate will actually stagnate around 30 because I don't think it's going to be too different for him. He might get picked apart a little bit with the breaking balls, but I do think that this ultimately is fine for his development. And he's the kind of guy that can do this. My only follow-up question at this point is, do you think Carson Williams plays a game for the Tampa Bay Rays this year? Because like you mentioned Wander Franco ripple effect, this is exactly what's going on here. And, you know, I, I think, I'm struggling to kind of figure out like what the Caminero, I, where Junior Caminero so, plays in all this. I was thinking about that. And, you know, what, what it boils down to for me is Caminero can't play shortstop. I know they've yeah. been like rolling him out there. I think that's more to keep his bat in the lineup and get some other guys reps at third. Caminero is a third baseman and, and an average one at that um, at best. So I, I think that's part of it. I don't think the plan is for Carson Williams to, to play shortstop. I think the plan is Oslevis Pasabe, who we're going to talk about in today's episode, plays well and holds it down um, while Wander is out. And you don't know, we don't know that situation. So you have to under, I think if you're the, the Rays, you have to operate under the presumption that Wander is out for the whole year to be yeah. able to brace for all types of scenarios. In that assumption, you are, you know, starting with Pasabe, who's big league ready. But if he struggles, you know, he's an aggressive hitter, a lot of ground balls good defender can play all over. There's a chance that there's an acclimation process. Bring up Carson Williams. He might hit a buck 80, but I can promise you he plays good defense. He's got big power. He should walk a little bit. And and I think he's kind of this emergency plan. It's crazy that they have to bring up a high A guy to be an emergency plan, but it's been a disaster for this team. And I think at this point, you'd rather see Carson Williams try to sink or swim then run Vidal Brujan out there for the 48th time. So, you know, I, I think that's where they're at. It's all conjecture. I have no sources. That's just my yeah. guess. Otherwise, why are you doing that? Why are you leapfrogging Caminero from the guy that's a true shortstop? Um, so I just wanted to preface with Carson, big power, 107 mile per hour, 90th percentile, low chase rates, can't hit curveballs. But, man, if he just hits fastballs <laughs> and maybe he can make some tweaks and, and make some adjustments – and, and find something in triple. But I think it's just kind of fight or flight mode right now with Taylor Walls out, with yeah. these other guys out. Um, they're just trying to piece it together. And it's pretty crazy, but I, I think Carson Williams can can handle it. Yeah, so I, I think Walls is dealing with an oblique thing right now. I think when Walls is healthy again, it's going to be some combination of Oslavis Basabe and Taylor Walls. But the question is, how do you get to Walls, who is on the shelf with this oblique thing? So, yeah, I mean, it's not it is kind of you know, yeah, I'm going to say it is kind of doomsday scenario if Carson yeah. Williams is a big leaguer this year. But it has yeah. been doomsday. I mean, you got McClanahan going down with TJ while you're dealing with this other off the field stuff like it's, it's, it's a nightmare. It's, it's a living nightmare in Tampa Bay. Um, and it, and um, I, I really feel for the org. First block at 20, you called the I'm sick of ranking block. 
this can I tab as the volatility block? There are a yeah. lot of guys that like I, their careers can go any which way. Which is funny because you say that and then we start with like the least volatile prospect out there. But yes, you are right. This is the volatility block, but we'll, we'll easy into it with Brian Rocchio. Uh, shortstop, guardian system. I think people were surprised with how low we had Rocchio. It's really just that I don't, I, I don't know how much there really is to, to dream on here. And I think he's a good, you know, solid middle infield option. But I don't see the same amount of upside as even in a Slavis Basabe. And I'll make that case when we get to Basabe. The exit velocities are, are below average. Uh, the hit tool is comfortably above average, but I don't know if it's quite plus. Like I have 55 present, 60 future because he's young and has a chance to get to 60. But she off of contact rates and with what I've seen, like there's a chance that it stagnates at 55. If that happens with below average power, he's a good runner um, and, and a great defender. I like him. I just think I like 79 prospects more than him. Um, if, if that makes sense, you've gotten some looks at Rokio now this year. Yeah, I have. Um, what I will say is like this guy was hitting 340 at one point, but his OPS was still under 900. And, and that should tell you all you got to know. And he is going to draw some walks, but Columbus is a very easy park to slug in. And he's slugging 410 this year. He's got three homers and that place is a bandbox. It's one of the most hitter-friendly places in the International League. So you got to know, if you're seeing no power there, you're going to see no power at progressive field either. And the problem with Cleveland is they have no power in that lineup. So he's – I don't want to say he's redundant in that lineup because he can play a good shortstop and he is going to be a big league shortstop, but he's another good player. And yes. nine good players don't get you to the postseason. No, and and that's kind of the interesting spot that they're in in Cleveland. And, um, you know, the glove is kind of what put him over Juan Brito, but I love Juan Brito's offensive profile a lot more uh, as also a switch hitter with that upside. I think there was a point in time where people were hoping that Rokia would grow into a bit more power and tap into a bit more power, and it just seems like that's not going to happen. Again, solid regular. could be a 2-3-1 player every year. If the hit tool trends towards plus, I feel a lot better. Yeah. But you know, I'm kind of we're kind of waiting and seeing on that because right now I, it's comfortably above average. It's it's fringe plus, but it needs to be fully plus to the point that you said of like, hey, he was raking and the OPS was barely up there. So there's there's a little pressure there. The chase rates are a little elevated too. Like I, I don't think he walks nearly as much at the big league level and through 14 games. That's kind of what we've seen thus far. Get to number 79, who's a Slavis Basabe. It is funny to stack these guys because it'll get more volatile from here, I promise. Basabe just got promoted, uh, as we just talked about, with the Tampa Bay Rays. This guy is very similar, but with more upside. I, we talked about it when we did when we hit on the, uh, the, the Rays episode in the beginning of the season, or maybe even preseason. People underestimate how hard a Slavis Basabe can actually hit the baseball. Um he puts it on the ground too much, and that's something that he's going to need to improve upon, and he's an aggressive hitter. Also something that he could probably get away with but needs to improve upon. But 103 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velocity, to put that in perspective, Rokio's fighting to get to 101. 
so the, that that's a big there's a big difference between 101 and 103 and then the average exit velocity much higher he also is he capable of popping some some 109s i think he's even flashed a 110 and i think there's a little bit more room in his frame to grow above average contact rates but you know i, I see a plus feel to hit because of his ability against secondaries um defensively versatile, really solid around the diamond. I think he's just scraping the surface of, of what he can potentially be offensively if he can hit the ball in the air a bit more uh, and, and fill out a little bit. I'm a big fan of Basabe, and I think he's been unlucky in a lot of ways this year if you look at you know some of the batted ball data. Yeah, I think I like his versatility over really any other asset that he has. Um, and I think that what they were hoping to get from Vidal Brujan, they're getting from Basabe, which is yes. really nice. And, and Brujan... If it all worked out for Vidal Brujan, he's a bit faster than Basabe. He's got a bit more defensive versatility, I think, because he can play the outfield. Uh, and he's a switch hitter. Uh, Basabe is not, but Basabe is a way better offensive talent. And he's versatile enough. If you can play three infield spots, they can find corner outfielders, man. Yeah, 100%. And and Basabe's really solid at a bunch of different spots. So I'm excited to see what he does. He had a good first couple games. Last game was 0 for 4 with three punches or 0 for 3 with three punches. So I think he's cooked. Um, we should probably call it a wrap now. Yeah. But no, I'm, I'm excited about Basabe and, you know, horrible situation, but guy's not even 23 yet and is going to get this opportunity. And I, it says a lot, I think, about what the Rays think about him, too, to bring him up and plug him in there. And uh, I know it's panic mode in a lot of ways, but I also do think that they, they believe in this kid. In any other organization, he would have been up already. Yes, you know, absolutely. Like, so absolutely. if you were performing in triple for this long, like you were deserving of a call up. 100 percent. And it. again, excited to see what he does. 78, one of my favorite bats in the draft. And this is kind of, you know, you call it volatility. It's so far we're, we're, we're staying clear of it, but it's going to get there. What I will say, though, is this is also kind of college bat range. And we're going to talk about a handful of college bats. Mad Shaw. He's off to a fantastic start to his professional career with the Cubs. I've been listed as a second baseman. He's technically playing shortstop for them right now. He cannot play shortstop long-term. Um, his arm is, is, is below average. And there were some throws already where I was like, because usually I like to give him the benefit of the doubt, start them at short. And then I won't put second base in, or third base until like they fully are not playing there anymore. Shaw will not be playing shortstop much longer. I don't think doesn't matter. They didn't draft him to do such. This guy is a pretty good feel to hit for how hard he hits the baseball. I know you and I did a video dive together when we were at All-Star Weekend, and I was showing you like 113-mile-an-hour home run he hit with metal. Uh, the guy has crazy pop, put up big numbers at Maryland. Uh, just put up pretty much big numbers at every single stop. And it, I, I see the potential for above-average hit plus, plus power. And maybe the most underrated aspect of his game, Jack, is his athleticism. He, he can motor. He can move a little bit. He's an above-average runner. He's five for six in the stolen base department to start his pro career. Um, yeah, I mean, he was he was 18 for 19 in the stolen base department this mm -hmm. past year at Maryland. The, the thing that he jumps out about Shaw is like high A is too easy already. He spent mm -hmm. 10 games in high A. He's got, I think, six extra base hits. He's three for three in the stolen base department. This guy's going to finish the year in double A. If they love what they see in camp, he could start the year in triple A. This guy's absolutely one of the candidates to reach the bigs first. Skeens is going to do it, but among position players, 
I mean, you want to talk about Cruz, go ahead. You want to talk about Wyatt Langford, go ahead. I think Matt Shaw is probably a better candidate than Langford is. If they need Matt Shaw, yeah, I do think so because he, he's he's just got this feel to hit. And it's really funny because if you look at the write-up, for those that are following along on YouTube on the screen, I didn't mention it based on proximity, but if you see the offensive write-up, you see who's referenced in there? Uh, no. Oh, Neto. There we go. Zach Neto, the guy who came up first in last year's class. So uh, I thought that that's kind of funny, as, as you mentioned, who could kind of get up there quickly. Yep. Shaw, similar to Troy, it, it was that kind of versatility of his liking. These are two guys that are very similar. And I, I like Shaw a little bit more because I, I like the power potential. Um, and, and I think he repeats his moves a little bit better. But Shaw, even more so than the things I said about Troy, the way that he can kind of manipulate his leg kick. And it's similar to, to Neto where it's like 2-0, I'm taking a big kick and I'm swing, getting my A swing off. And that's where we saw that 113 with metal. Uh, okay. And then, you know, if a guy's throwing hard and I, I feel like my timing's a little rushed, I'll go with a medium-sized leg kick. Two strikes, I'll almost eliminate it. I love that that versatility. Again, not a lot of guys can do that. Two, two college guys that can in Troy and Shaw. Shaw is better with it. Troy kind of sometimes will just stick to the big leg kick. Yeah. I really like that, and it's a testament to his athleticism. We talked about Troy's athleticism. Shaw's a really good athlete. Um, this guy's going to climb quick, and I think he can put up some some big-time offensive numbers. And I think Shaw and Troy are both kind of the version of what we were hoping the Pirates would have gotten from Nick Gonzalez. His game has changed mm-hmm. a little bit, but out of the draft, I think a lot of people were expecting you know, Nick Gonzalez to look like this guy that hit everything, had yeah. juice, and yep. was athletic where he can get by it short, but he's a good second baseman. Like that's what Shaw and Tommy Troy both are. Yeah. And both use the whole field so well. And and for Nick, it's been a lot more, you know, pole side, which was not he's what been I saw. The, ball the other way recently. I, yeah. I really which is good to see. That. Yeah. That's good to see. Um, real quick, glassing on Shaw 10 games in high A, 17 hits. He's hitting 415 with a pair of homers. <laughs> he's, he's comfortable, as you said. We move to 77, a guy you are very familiar with and a guy that we just had featured on the show thanks to your pregame conversation with him. Definitely go check that out. It's Jared Jones, right-handed pitching prospect with the Pittsburgh Pirates. A little bit of a rough stretch for Jones over the last two starts. I mean, I wouldn't even call the start against Gwinnett rough. Like, it was rough for his standards. He walked five, but he scattered them. It was the last start against Nashville where it was that kind of like welcome to AAA kid type of, of of outing that I'm sure he'll learn a lot from. But this guy has crazy stuff. Um, you're, you were pounding the table for him to be on the top 100 list after you got a couple looks at him when he got brought up to AAA. And when I dove into the data and then watched some of those starts, I mean, I could see exactly why you felt so strongly. Um, the fastball, as you had mentioned, you know, just electric and pretty low effort. And then the slider – it's, it's, a, it's a cutterish slider that he throws. Uh, it can get to 90 miles an hour, 92 miles an hour. I think he's thrown a couple in 93. I'll kind of leave it the four to you. The thing that that holds him back from me from being, you know, that like next echelon of pitching prospect, like he's closer to the Connor Phillips tier than he is to the, you know, Kate Horton types, of course, yeah. is that there's just no third pitch right now. And, I, and you could probably add to that. Yeah, so he's been working on both um, the changeup and the curveball, and it's almost a start by start thing. Um, you know, which third pitch we're really going to see. And at the beginning of his AAA tenure, it was the changeup that was just awesome. 
He's mixed in the curveball. It's looked good some nights. He hasn't landed it for strikes other nights, and he abandons it quickly. Um, so I think when he does find that third pitch, that will almost give him that will give him the freedom to a improve that third pitch, but b you know throw that fourth pitch maybe stress free because I think he's trying to force both those into being a third pitch. Fastball slider alone is great. You mentioned it's more of a cutter type. I've seen ninety four five. On yeah, that that's a cutter type thing. It's a cutter. Yeah. Like it's it's 95 miles an hour. But I've also seen 99.7, 99.5, 99.7 from that fastball, 2550, like 2500 RPMs plus. The, the thing is stupidly electric. And Jones, I, if Kyle Harrison's on this list, Jared Jones has to be on this list and higher. Yeah, I, I think that's an excellent point. Yeah, yeah. that's an excellent point. You know, Kyle Harrison has, has the deception and the funky release, but the whiff rates on the fastball are not far apart. Jones, you could argue might even still have some more in the tank because it's pretty low effort. And you talked about a 99, seven. I have here a 100 to uh TJ Hopkins. So at that 2,600 RPS. Yeah. By the way, that six foot 180 is a hundred percent real. And this guy was going to go to Texas as two way guy. He was a power hitting corner outfielder. Yeah. And I asked him, I was like, dude, and you can hear this in the conversation. I was like, where does this strength come from? Like, I'm bigger than you. And he's like, dude, I've been asking myself that my whole life. I don't know. <laughs> and I, it's just insane how this guy yeah. gets that much out of that frame. A hundred at twenty six hundred RPMs from a guy that is barely six foot one eighty. Yeah. Come on. The reason last thing I'll say and you're spot on. And it's a low release point, too, for that lively fastball. And that's why he's been able to get crazy whiff numbers on the heater. 30% in zone whiff on the heater. I mean, that's elite stuff. Um, I, I think that there's a world. And the reason why I like Jones is there's two ways that he can be a middle rotation starter. Number one is the classic way. Develop that third pitch. Number two is the new wave of what we're seeing, which is improve your command and just dominate with fastball slider. So like cutter is slider that you're both viable paths for him. So like, if he can't find that third pitch, the fastball and the, and the slider will work. He just, there's more pressure on hitting your spots and, you know, being dominant with that heater. But I think he has good enough stuff to be that Javier mold. Um, yeah. Maybe not as good as Javier, but be that subdued version of that, which is a big league starter. So I was actually going to say, you remember the front half of Waskari Noah's 2021? <laughs> Enoa was gross. And he, I know you laugh because Enoa has faded into obscurity. He's on the 60 day. I think he might be a TJ guy right now. But Enoa, like he was so good using fastball slider. That was it. It was a two pitch mix and he was great. Freddie Peralta, when he really first burst onto the scene in 21, I mean, he was sinker slider. You go four seam slider like this. I Jones can get away with that Freddie Peralta type usage with that Waskari Noah type usage. hundred percent, hundred percent. So I'm, I'm excited to see his development and, and how it'll continue. And of course, if any of you want to watch Jared Jones pitch, tune into our guy, Jack McMullen on the Indy Indians network tonight, tonight, Mick Abel, 76. Um, we're probably lower on him than others. Uh, he's another one of those, just kind of like Kyle Harrison, high drafted, Early success, great stuff, just doesn't budge much on the rankings. Philadelphia Phillies, first-round pick in 2020, 15th overall. He's about to turn 22. The stuff is ridiculous. But 
man, I mean, we even saw it in the one inning in the Futures game when we were there. The fastball doesn't quite jump as much as you'd think for 96, 97. And then the secondaries, man, non-fastballs this year, he's landing for a strike 55% of the time. So yeah, it's, it's been frustrating, and it's limited his ability to, to rack up the punch outs. I think the fact that he has kept the ERA in, in a reasonable spot and you know still been able to turn out plenty of solid starts is a testament to just how nasty his stuff is. If it all clicks for him, he's could be a number two type. Like he could be a maybe even a frontline guy. That's why he was very difficult to rank. But I'm becoming less confident in the command. Um, you know, getting much better because it's it's actually taken a bit of a step back this year from from a you know strike perspective. As the starts go by, you run out of optimism i guess is the right word here because like you're waiting for that switch to flip and mick abel 14 starts in low a in 2021 he had a 4-4 with five and a half walks per night starts last year in high a he's good a 401 still and four walks per night but now you factor in his five starts last year to end the season in double and then this year in double a reading He's got a 4-1 ERA, 4-2 ERA, and five and a half walks per night. As he climbs levels, you need to see that command get better. And, and like, you know, obviously there are way better ways to look at command, but you want to look at overall control. Like, you cannot get away with walking five and a half guys per nine as a starting pitcher. So, um, yeah, man, like lack of really strong third pitch and lack of confidence within the strike zone and, uh, confidence in getting to the strike zone consistently, I, I think, can be and can be worrying. Yeah, six straight starts with at least three walks. Uh, again, striking guys out. He's he hasn't really had that blow up outing since May, but he also hasn't really had that dominant outing. Uh, so it's just you just he leaves you wanting more. And the yeah. good the good news is he's not even 22 yet. He turns 22, I think, in two days. So happy early birthday to Mick Abel. Uh, but, yeah, it's just – it's kind of this waiting game here. And he's trending more like Griff McGarry than Andrew Painter. You know? Like, that's the way it's looking right now. Yep. 75. We got Dalton rushing. This is a guy that could have been a little bit higher up. It's just kind of a weird situation with him right now. Uh, Dodgers catching prospect, who I think is on the IL right now with a concussion. Um, this dude flat out rakes and his numbers are not going to show how good he actually has been this year because he's actually had a similar situation to, uh, Anthony Rizzo, I think where he had a concussion came back. Oh, for 31. Yeah. Dalton rushing. It does not go over 31. You don't, you don't do that. That's not what he does. I, I, maybe he goes through a little bit of a slump, whatever it is. That guy is hit from the word go. That guy is hit at every single stop. He raked at Louisville. Uh, There's concerns about, you know, whether he's going to catch. That's still kind of a question. You think he's improved a little bit. But then he put up comical numbers in 28 low A games where he hit 424 uh, with a 778 slug, eight home runs in 28 games. So you could have said, oh, yeah, but, you know, that's a college bat in, in low A. Sure. But then if you see what he did at the early going of this year, it was more of the same almost in high A. And then he's dealt with these issues. So 22 years old, unfortunate that, you know, he's gotten banged up like this. But he was, he had a near 1,000 OPS through the first month or so of the season. And, 
you know, was settling in pretty nicely at a mid 900s OPS up until this slump here. So I think he's going to be fine once he gets right. And I hope he's all right. Talk about an elite approach. Chases 15% of the time, makes above average contact, borderline uh, plus power. I'd say comfortably above average right now that he gets into in games. He's just a safe bat, man. He's a muscle hamster. That, that's the way I want to look at him. And he, he can get up. I I do think the Dodgers will extend Will Smith long term, but they've got a real decision to make here. And note that another Dodger catching prospect is not on this top 100 list. So um, I, I think they might be making their decision right now. Um, and when rushing does get his opportunity, the bat is good enough to DH. Like he's a top 100 prospect. I, he's not top 100 if he's DH exclusively, but he can catch. And if he does need to DH, we're still looking at him as a really valuable guy. Yeah, there is some yeah. value defensively, not much, but the bat is good enough to be a impact big league bat for a long time. Yeah, I think it's like that again, like that Soderstrom-esque situation here where I think, you know, if you plug him in a few times a week when Will Smith DHs and he catches – it's not going to be some devastating, like, oh, my gosh, he can't catch. And then he plays other positions in the meantime. You know, once that time comes, like, I will say first, you say, but Freddie Freeman, like, this is like two years from now, three years from now. Like, we'll see what happens. Obviously, yeah. Freeman, I think, is going to hit till he's 80. Um, but, you know, just in terms of what he can do, he can play a little first. He can catch. Uh, there's a lot of similarities to Will Smith, even from where they went to school. But all, just the way that they play the game, the way that they hit, uh, the way that the catching was behind the bat. And look at what Will Smith's been able to do with the glove. So, uh, they might have two Will Smiths on their hands here, which would be pretty special if, you know, Russian can keep trending in that direction. Well, and another Louisville catcher that kind of bridged the gap. There was a guy between um, Will Smith and this guy, but Henry uh-huh. Davis, like uh-huh. before this year, I didn't think of Henry Davis is a right fielder. I'm sure you didn't uh-huh. either, but he, he's a big, strong man. He's probably 6'1", 220, and he's got a hose. He's developed into a solid right fielder. So if they do want to move rushing to a corner outfield spot, I'm sure he can figure it out. He's athletic enough. I think so, too. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm interested to see what they do, but the bat's going to carry him. And uh, I think it's looking like it can carry him. Yep. We get to 74. Talk about volatile. Um, there's like volatile aspects to him, but then also not. Sedan Rafaela, number 74. He, Boston Red Sox outfielder slash shortstop. I got a good question on the Twitter space of like, you know, why is Rafaela not higher if he's putting up the numbers he's putting up and you have him as an elite defender. And I thought that was actually an excellent question. I thought about it and I was like, you know, maybe, maybe off of the glove, he could be ranked a little bit higher, but I've talked about how, you know, for me, when I'm ranking these prospects, glove is becoming like a little bit less important. And, you know, you got to really focus on the bat because there's only so much that, you know, so much value you can provide if you're not at least hitting your weight. And, Rafael has put up unbelievable numbers so far this year at the upper minors. Um, but just about every single underlying metric points towards him potentially struggling at the big league level. And I'm really interested to see what that'll look like. But it's also really hard to argue against his numbers. Um, really aggressive hitter, below slightly below average contact rates. Like I, I, I'm just, it's one of those guys that I guess I'm just happy to be wrong on. And it's the offensive volatility that keeps him outside at the top you know, 50 or so for me. He's, he's never going to walk ever, no, no. Um, but he, it's really exciting. So I don't blame people. The other thing that jumps out to me is like six homers and 60 games in double. And that's not the Southern league. That's the Eastern league. And then he goes to triple and he has 12 homers in 37 games. He's had an out of body experience recently. Um, 
and I can applaud an out-of-body experience for sure. Um, but man, I mean, he's he's four for nine in the stolen base department in AAA <laughs> after being 30 for 38 in double. It doesn't get more volatile. Than, like, yeah. How does that happen? I don't see the correlation there. Uh, dude, and 40% chase rate. And and my concern is the, that there's in-zone whiff too. So like people say, well, who cares? He's producing. I, I agree. But I, this guy could really just run into trouble at the big league level. Like there's just guys like that that punish some mistakes and uh, in triple A and, you know, just get away with it and then really run into issues. The 18% swing strike rate might be as concerning as anything for me because it's like that's also showing some issues within the zone. Uh, Secondary stuff, he's chasing near 45% of the time. I think big league pitchers are going to expose that. That's that's my issue. He does a good job of getting into the power in games. 104 mile per hour, 90th percentile is phenomenal for his size. His defense in center field is fantastic. So his he's got a really good chance of being like a you know even if the bat doesn't totally come along being a Kike Hernandez type, and I'm talking about the Kike that was like good defensively at yeah. both spots because Rafaela can hold it down at short. His arm's a little weak, but he can hold it down. I just don't know how to feel about the bat. There's just so many red flags with the bat, but again, he's hitting, so he's going to be an interesting one. It's just going to have to be like a wait-and-see guy. Yep. 73, guy that's unfortunately on the shelf, but I thought did a lot even before he got hurt to improve his stock. Andy Andy Pajes, Dodgers prospect, outfielder. I was really impressed with what he was doing uh, before he went down. Uh, this was he got a second taste of Double A, which, and this was somebody that <clears throat> reached Double A at his age twenty one season, um, and and I thought that was pretty remarkable in itself, and might have been even twenty years old at the start of the year, and while the the numbers were slightly above average in the eyes of WRC plus. Pajes at 26 home runs matched his strikeout rate at high A of 24.5%, which is, that's impressive to me. If you maintain your power output and then also maintain your strikeout rate against advanced pitching, that stands out to me. Then he emerges in 2023, starts in double A, 33 games. He ups the walk rate. He lowers the K rate. Not quite the same power output through those first 33 games, but was slashing 284, 430, 495. Gets the bump up to AAA, and then in his first AAA game, tears his labrum in his left shoulder, which is that lead shoulder in the swing. He'll be back next year. That part stinks, but we're looking at a guy that even with the injury will start in AAA as a 23-year-old next year, has a great track record of hitting and a great approach and a cannon for an arm in the corner outfield and – I think projects is an above average outfielder there. He's been at pretty much every level. He's been at least two years younger than the league average hitter. And he's a career 900 OPS guy <laughs> in 400 yeah. minor league games. That's a track record. That's a track record. And the fact that a 22 year old already has a track record when he comes back, he's 23 years old and it's a matter of waiting for him. I mean, I think people are starting to get a little bit fatigued with Pajes and we're going to enter year three where he's probably a top 100 guy in the preseason. Like, I I don't know, man, he's been really good for really long. And I think that a lot of people are going to be reintroduced to Andy Pajes next year and you'll get that um, injection of life. And it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot the Dodgers are a wagon and they've had this guy that's been slowly ascending. And the craziest part, dude, is in that in those 33 games. 
you know, you see the three home runs. <laughs> Listen to some of these flyouts. Just bad batted ball luck and still was was doing unbelievably well. 370 foot flyout. Mm. 375 foot triple. That yeah, should have been a home run. 373 foot flyout. 390 foot flyout. No. And a 397 foot flyout. <sighs> so he could have easily had three, four more home runs. Um, just to show you, like those numbers would have been even more ridiculous. Even if you give him one or two of those through the first 33 games. Yeah. They brought him up to AAA for a reason. He was ready to go. Again, the chase rates are extremely low. And he lifts the ball consistently. Like he gets, he will tap into every ounce of his raw power in games. And that's why I like him too. I think he's going to be a consistent power threat with sneaky complementary skills, average hit tool, but doesn't chase. He's a very safe profile for what he, what I think what people perceive it to be when you look at the strikeout rates on the fan graphs page. For sure. 72. One of the hotter hitters in minor league baseball right now, I think. Brian Ramos, third baseman, Chicago White Sox. Ramos was a guy we had higher than anybody else in the industry, I think, going into the year. And unfortunately, he just got hurt uh, before the season even started. But the groin issue kind of delayed his start to the season. And, I mean, he's made up for lost time, Jack. I think in, what has it been? How many games has he played? 50? And 50, 50 games? games in double. He played four games in low A as part of a rehab. 50 games in double, what, 11 pumps? Uh, 11 homers, 34 yeah. driven in, um, in 895 OPS. And that's after a long layoff, coming off a groin issue, all that good stuff. He, I think, easy plus power. Like He's tapped into fringe plus, and there's room for more. He's 6'3", 200. 21 years old, raking in double A after putting up big numbers in high A and you know getting a taste of double last year. And this is a candidate for the Arizona Fall League. I'd love to see him out there, and I think he put up big numbers there. This is a guy that I think is going to rise on a lot of top prospect lists. He plays a good third base. They've played him a little bit at second, too. He gives you some versatility there. Um, and the approach is improved. Ramos, I think, is one of the more underrated prospects in baseball based on the consensus. I see bigger than that, actually. I see 6'2", 225, as opposed to 6'3", 205. And, oh, and wow. that makes okay. sense because he's a thick guy. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I, I think there is I don't like I don't want to comp everybody to a Yandy Diaz or an Isak Paredes if they're like a, a big, like heavier set guy that moves well, but Brian Ramos is a thicker guy that moves well. Um and, and I'm a huge fan of that. So Ramos, there there's a ton of power to dream on here. You think there's 30 homer power? Yes. Because yeah. he gets he hits it in the air so consistently. Talking about like a 37% ground ball rate. He gets into his power consistently. It's to all fields. I, I, I think there's absolutely 30 home run power here. I, there's a little bit more zone lift than you'd expect when you look at the numbers. So, like, that's something to monitor. It wasn't as big of an issue last year. I think, it, you know, he was still kind of getting his feet under him and making up for lost time. Uh, but even if the hit tool is fringy, I, I think there's 25, 30 home run power here, no doubt. And, and again, solid defense at the hot corner with the ability to play second. Number 71, guy that you saw very recently, we talked about very recently on the podcast with your live look, and a guy I've seen kind of all over. I've seen him in double. I believe I caught him in the fall league, if I remember correctly, and now you saw him in triple. Tyler Black, Milwaukee Brewers prospect. He's just dynamic. Um, he He's faster than you'd ever expect. Above average field to hit. Really good approach. And some sneaky juice. 
and he's having a fantastic year. Walks and stolen bases. That that was the jam in Double A. Like he walked all the time. He was he, he hit two seventy three, but he had an OBP over four ten, and he was forty seven for fifty six in the stolen base department. Um, I think what I was impressed by was this guy. Like he's not built like a base stealer. He's built like a guy that can play a corner a corner infield spot, and like I don't know he. He's got that bat resting on his shoulder, and he just kind of hangs out there. He looks like a big, strong man that just so happens to be one of the premier base stealers in minor league baseball. And yeah, I always side with those guys. Like it, It's the one you always took first in dodgeball, and it's like you have no business being as freaky an athlete as you are. Yeah. But you no. are, and you're going to win us this dodgeball game. That's Tyler Black, I think. He's probably, if you lined up, the 10 guys that have 30 or more stolen bases and you said, which, which guy has 50, I think he's one off from 50 now. Right. Is that where he's at? 49 Um, for 58. Yeah. Yeah. I think he'd be the last person selected (laughs) Mm -hmm. to your point. Um, So, but that's a testament to one, he's strong and two, he really moves well defensive limitations, which is the irony in the whole thing. They tried him in center. It didn't work. So it's going to be third or first, probably maybe he can get acclimated at second base a little bit. Uh, but I, I'd love to see him still in left. I'd want to see them try that. We'll see. He's at, you know he's athletic, so you're hoping that he can figure something out somewhere. But he's walked as much as he struck out this year. Again, like 82% zone contact. That's more than fine when you run. And it's gotten better and better as the year has gone on. If you pull from his last 50 games, it's an 86% zone contact. So that trends closer to that above average hit tool. I think there's chance for plus hit tool because how simple the setup and swing is, like you said and the sub-20% chase rate, above-average EVs. He's a really fun, well-rounded profile. If he had a good defensive position, he's definitely a top-50 prospect in baseball. Yeah. All right. I'm going to assign you something for the next 10 guys. When we get to a guy that you are going to collect card-wise, you let me know. Okay. I will. I will. I'm ready for that. Not quite this guy yet, though. Number 70, Kevin Alcantara. Outfielder, Chicago Cubs system. I mean, he could make you real rich in the card market, but very volatile. He's had a nice year, and he's gotten better and better and better as the year has gone on. Remember, he was traded in that Anthony Rizzo package. And, I mean, I think for the Yankees it was like, okay, he's super far away, wide range of outcomes, let's go get Anthony Rizzo. For the Cubs, it's like we're getting a six-foot-six guy with – Above average run times. He's produced at the rookie levels. Like, let's let's sign up for this project. This could be a fun one. And it is a fun project. I think so far, so good. You know, it's a slow burn. It's going to take time. But I think you have to be encouraged overall with what you've seen if you're a Cubs fan. But at the same time, I'm wondering what it's all going to look like. like and when it's all going to fully come together. He's been productive. But for a guy with a 90th percentile exit velocity of 107 miles an hour, you'd expect more home run output. You'd expect a sub 50% ground ball rate. And I do wonder if like he's just going to be too long to be able to control his levers to, to generate that leverage and you know produce more fly balls and consistent power. The chase rate's high. There's a little bit of end zone whiff. There, there's a lot of red flags here, but he's remained relatively productive. He's a center fielder, looks comfortable there who's flashed plus to plus plus power potential. It's it's a t- this is the volatility part here, right? Yeah, so this is actually somebody that 
um, if I could sit down and pepper a Cubs director of player development with questions like this is one of the guys on the top 100 that I'm like, if I had to choose five on this list where I could just ask their GM or their farm director like a billion questions about them, I think Kevin Alcantara is one of them. Because yeah. I have no idea how to look at Kevin Alcantara. Because, you know, you look at the numbers, you watch the video, it, it's okay. I just need to know, like, what what it's like, I don't know, kind of seeing his game transform. Because this game is so malleable. It's so green. And I, I think that it's changing all the time. That's my take on Kevin Alcantara. A hundred percent. And the one encouraging thing, I think, is that, you know, he's walking much more over his last 30 games, 14% walk rate slightly cutting down the chase rate, but I'd almost rather him strike out 30% of the time and hit more bombs Yeah, because like, I don't like watching this guy kind of fight for the average hit tool and then not hit homers. Right. Like it, it's there. The power is there, but it's not there enough. The hit tools there, but it's not there enough right now. He's it's hitting like, 270. It's choose one, either hit 30 because you can or hit 300 because you can, but he's doing a little bit of both and he's not mm-hmm. there in either. And, I think, and it's a work in progress. He just turned 21. It's a project. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's just kind of a wait and see game. This guy has the upside to be one of the best prospects in baseball and also has the capability of falling off the prospect list by the midseason. So like, there's a lot of variance here. Yeah. Next up, number 69, Edgar Caro, Chicago White Sox catching prospect, was traded in that Lucas Giolito deal. Mm-hmm. I think people are, have been way too harsh on Edgar Caro. I really do. This guy skipped high A and went straight into Lab Rat League, Southern League. By the way, he homered twice yesterday. Yeah. Starting to settle into Birmingham. Like, what, what were we expecting? This is another one of those examples, Jack. We're just penalizing a guy for being challenged extremely hard. Like, this is somebody that fully lit up well way as a in 19 18 19 year old yeah then enters skips high a goes to double as a 19 now 20 year old and puts up the definition of league average numbers as a switch hitting catcher and we're like what the hell i what i i just don't i don't understand that psychology i think this is a really well-rounded player was made strides defensively uh, projects as a plus hitter from both sides of the plate. And I still believe that there's average power here as we just saw him hit two home runs the other day. I, I don't, I don't know. Am I, do you think I'm being more bullish? Do you think I, where are you at on the, you know, kind of Edgar Caro perspective? Cause I just see so many people already like jumping off the train. Yeah, I think if you if you ride the highs and get off on the lows, you're back on now because of that multi-homer day. And this guy has 17 hits and 16 ribbies in his first 13 games in Birmingham. Um, th- the thing that you know gets me like really going is he walked more than he struck out as a 19, 20-year-old in double. Yeah. Like, come on, man. He's got a 750 OPS this year as a 20-year-old in double A, 19, 20-year-old in double A. Catcher. And- catcher like there's just no there's no point in jumping off this bandwagon because he's so young he's at such a high level for his age he should have spent this entire year in high a he didn't he's figured it out in double a much like chorio and we're not going to talk about chorio for another couple episodes because he's figured it out even more so but dude like 
I don't think you're being bullish. I don't think it's fair for people to have chalked him up as a loss because yeah. he was a league average hitter as the youngest guy at the level. And I don't like collecting catchers, man, but this might be – I, I bet the prices are super cheap. This might be a guy that I would like consider. This might be the the, the entry point for a card here because even if he's not – I don't know if he's going to be a superstar or anything like that. He's a switch hitting catcher, and I think people really underestimate the the aspect of like getting acclimated catching wise. Big focus for him has been working on the defense back there. He's been better receiving. He continues to get better blocking. He's held the running game down pretty well. Uh, he's got a good arm and an accurate throwing arm. I bet you his cards are dirt cheap on on alt, and, uh, and if you go survey the prices and like again when you talk about the psychology, people kind of jumping off the bandwagon. This is I think there's a potential for a 70 hit tool here. I got, I probably should have put 55 with the potential for a 70. Over his last 30 games, Jack, 93% zone contact. I know that's a small sample, but that's still 135 plate appearances of minimal whiff within the zone. And he's probably hitting 330, 340 over that stretch. Yeah. Right, so, right, right around. He's getting on base at a 370 clip over that stretch. Yeah, damn, man. So that, that's incredible. Um, all right. So if you are looking for Edgar Carroll, I would recommend going to Alt. Alt is the place to go. That's the only place to search for cards. Alt.xyz, A-L-T.xyz. Alt is the only platform that allows you to search all the major marketplaces and eBay at one time. It's a free app. Download it. Type Edgar Carroll into the search bar. Alt going to give you every graded Edgar Carroll card that is out on any marketplace available for sale you don't like what is on the market right now save your search and you can get a push notification when edgar carroll uh, is made available on alt you will never use another app for researching and buying baseball cards ever again go get edgar carroll when luis baez has a card go get luis baez on alt yeah, I'm waiting for that card, man. Um, and and it is cool. I, I again, I always say like the, the notification feature might be the best, and just being able to kind of also just get an understanding of what what you have is worth, and a price. They have a pricing tool so that you know what you know where where the market's trending as well, which is pretty cool. And I know that they've put a lot into that that pricing tool also. So click that link in the episode description. Sixty-eight. Here's Luis Baez. What a segue. When he has a card, unless I'm mistaken, maybe he does. I'm pretty sure he doesn't because you asked me that. And I don't think he does. You can look it up in the meantime while I describe him. Houston Astros prospect. I mean, there's a reason why the other guys were moved and he wasn't at the deadline. I, I really think with the way the Mets were approaching things, I mean, they would have loved Luis Baez in a deal. The Astros keep Baez. He's a $1.3 million international free agent in 2022. And, man, he's been putting up really good numbers. He's big, 6'3", 190-plus pounds. And I, I love the swing. It's really advanced for his age. There's plus-plus power potential here. And you you, you kind of combine the above-average hit tool potential, plus-plus power, already a decent approach. And you can see why the Astros are very excited about Luis Baez. So Luis Baez, um, there is a card available for sale on eBay. It's $8, and it is the Lansing Lugnuts assistant hitting okay. coach, Luis Baez. So that yeah. is not the same Luis Baez. He does no. not have any cards. No. Okay. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. But I, I have next to nothing on Luis Baez, 
But what I will tell you is with how high you are on him and just looking at what this guy has done um, as a 19-year-old getting off the complex is insane. 113 mile per hour max exit velocity as a 19-year-old. 90th percentile of 106. Talk about big juice. And then he's making contact at a really strong rate. I mean, his overall contact rate is 73%. That's right about average. And then zone contact of 84. That's above average. Um, so as his, his approach continues to get stronger and as he gets a little bit better with recognizing breaking balls, that's been a little bit of an issue for him in low A. Oh, no, he just left the complex. Uh, this guy could be a really special talent. Eighty, or sorry, eighty, sixty-seven, and you can see the uh, the the Giphy Cat link not working. I got to go <laughs> remove that. Unfortunately, that didn't work for our top one hundred. I was hoping to embed videos. Big leaguer time. Uh, probably graduated pretty much just by now, but I wasn't going to remove him like the day before we published the list and have to do another write up. So Christian Encarnacion Strand, first baseman, Cincinnati Reds. We've talked about him a ton on here. We don't have to go too deep into this one. I. Uh, I think he showed a lot of good things already at the big league level, but I thought going into this year, he was not, he was right on the outside looking into the top 100 list. And then the improvements that we saw at the triple a level really sold me that this is going to be a good big league bat. Once he settles in hundred percent, he's still settling in at the big league level, but up the walk rate, cut down the K rate approach looked better. Power was silly in AAA, 20 homers in 67 games. And I still think this is going to translate at the big league level or there's just going to be a bit of a acclimation process. And he's going through it right now. He's got so much juice, man. It's like ridiculous juice. You have 70 raw, 65 game, like spot on. It's mm-hmm. nuts what this guy can do. He can he can upper deck it. Oh, yeah. I, I think he already has. <laughs> yeah. um, I think one of his first home runs was just an absolute tank job. And uh, you, you look at some of the balls that he's hit this year, it's <laughs> – it's been fun to see. He hit one in in triple off of Drew Parrish. I mean, it went over like 450. Uh, I know last year, I think he had 12 home runs or 13 home runs over 420 feet. Like, it, there's some majestic stuff out there. Bats of ball skills are not that bad. He hits the ball in the air consistently. This guy's a threat to you – know, he's perfect for Great American Ballpark. It's just the approach continuing to get better and better. He showed the ability to do so in triple A. Now can you do it again? at the big league level and continue to cut down on that chase. I think he can. I think he's their future at first base. Yep. Number 66. Talk about a guy that just gives me a headache ranking. Uh I just like, I just, another guy that I'm just kind of tired of ranking. And also I feel like no matter where I rank him similar to Noel V. Marte. It's wrong. Yeah. (laughs) I'll be wrong. No matter what it's either too high. No matter what I do, it's wrong. Luciano, you know, Yes, prospect fatigue is part of it, but I don't think this is the same kind of like Jason Dominguez prospect fatigue uh, because a lot of the concerns and the reasons why he stalled out are reasons why he's not in the top 50. Injuries, swing and miss, trouble with secondary stuff. He's improved the defense a lot, which is, I think, improved his outlook. Like he, I at one point thought he might move to third. Now I think he can play an everyday shortstop at a solid level. The approach has gotten a lot better. Running a 22% chase rate is very solid. I just would like to see him get into his power a little bit more consistently in games. We know he hits the ball hard, like really, really hard. Um, and I, I just I don't know where where to where to stand here on it, man. Like you know he's going to strike out a bunch. If he hedges that with walks, that's good. But you better really get into the game power. And he's hitting home runs, but it's not like really getting into the game power. I'm you know without anything you know any major signs of life by the end of this year. 
if, if he doesn't graduate, like he's just going to kind of start sinking towards the back of the list. Cause it's like, how much, much longer can we hold out and dream on something here? I know he's just 22, but what's in there at this point? Yeah. My thing here is like, where's the spot that he has dominated? I'm just not sh- like the complex in 19, that, the 118 mile an hour home run off of Ryan Rollison in like 2020. Yeah. That? Like, um, that was what was that 19 at the complex? Yes. Yeah. So everybody latched on. He was he was like consensus top 100 during COVID, right? He, he, there was a point, I think, at the back end, like going out of COVID where he was like consensus top 30, I think. There, and that's as an 18 year old. So he was really good. 70 games in low A when he was 19 in 2021. And since then, it's always been a 700 or 800 OPS. Like it's always been, you know, decent power numbers, decent bat to ball numbers. Like, I don't know. He just hasn't exploded anywhere. And I, I'm waiting for him to explode again. I'm waiting to see that top prospect in baseball type pedigree that he had when he was 17 years old. Yeah. And you think that would happen in the PCL. Uh, yeah. And it just like, hasn't. No. So that's just, that's just kind of where we're at here. And maybe it happens a little bit later. Maybe something clicks for him next year in the PCL, but it's just, it's a weird, he's, he's in a weird spot and yeah. you know, the exit velocities are insane. 90th percentile of 109. It's like, it doesn't, at what point do we just like stop looking at the EVs when, you know, it's not turning into uh, that much game power at this point. And I think we might be at that point. Yeah. You know, I mean, 11 home runs in 56 games was, was pretty strong in double, yeah. but he also hit 228 and struck out 30% of the time. And so you know, he that's, sold out for it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So it's a tough spot, but again, if he, if it all clicks for him and he goes nuclear, like I also wouldn't be surprised. So yeah. it's, it's frustrating. It's, it's a unique spot here. And you got to start wondering like, how much are the giants developing these guys? Seeing him stall out. You're seeing Kyle Harrison stall. I know we did a whole episode on this not long ago. Elliot Ramos was the king of the stall out. And he's, he's really stalled out. He had a little bit of a flash the other day, I think, but like what's going, Will Bednar fell off a cliff and disappeared. Like I I am wondering kind of at what point do we look at this giants development system and say, what's going on here? No. And there was, there was so much twitchy athleticism there with Hunter Bishop and Bishop like that just hasn't worked at all. Anything. I mean, yeah, like there's a lot. And, the reason I have so much faith in Wisenhunt is because that guy was already a finished product. Yeah, like, yeah, that guy, don't you, you drafted him. a guy with a plus change up and a good fastball from the yeah, left side. Just don't touch him and they're not going to touch him. But like Wade Meckler, dude, like Meckler's the one they have to show for the last couple of years. Yeah. Who's the, who's the dude that they drafted from uh Fordham, a left-handed pitcher. Um, um, Oh man. You know what, you know what I'm thinking? I know exactly who you're talking about. But Man. the fact that we can't even remember his name off the dome like shows you where he's gone. Like, what's going on in the San Francisco Giants development system? Like, where are we at here at this point? Like, it's just it's one of those things that I think is one of the more underrated aspects of the San Francisco Giants, where it's they're just not developing that well. Um, the name I was looking for, Mason Black, has trended nicely, but. Who who am I looking for here? It's gonna drive me nuts. I'm going to it. I'm going to the I'm going to the database of Fordham draftees. Yeah, I don't think there's gonna be that many names uh, outside of there. But I, I'm I'm almost positive too because like I'm pretty sure that the name we're looking for didn't Matt even get Mikulski. ranked. Matt Mikulski. Mikulski. Matt Mikulski. 
I don't even think he's in Fangraph's top 49 Giants prospects. Oh, Matt Mikulski uh, from Mohegan Lake, New York. Mikulski this year in Eugene has pretty much been a full-time starter. 50 and two-thirds innings. He's got a 7.1 ERA. Yeah, He's walking eight and a half guys per nine. We'll give him credit for Patrick Bailey. Yeah, it's been awesome. Pomara is just falling off. We, we could do a whole episode on that. So yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it's 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 not great, um, not great over there. Everson Pereira, and it looks like we got we got to fix that uh, right up there for those watching on YouTube. I, I was waiting for the one issue we had on here. There had to be something. Um, Everson Pereira, Yankees prospect, outfielder. Oh my gosh, it says frame defying power and and Giffy Cat. Yeah. Yeah, he's got frame-defying power. Uh, crazy, crazy juice. Staying power in center field. Um, very fringy hit tool, Jack. And um, above average speed. It's all about the power here. He's 22 in triple and just continues to perform in terms of getting into the power. I don't know if he's going to hit enough. He might be frustrating. But this guy's going to run into 25, 30 homers and play some decent defense in center. Like, I'm interested to see what this looks like. And I, He's got crazy upside. Even if the hit tool is average or fringe average, he's a productive big leaguer. I think Pereira is the forgotten man. And I, I think that Yankee social media, the Yankee conversation about prospects has always been Volpe, Peraza, Dominguez. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they've got some other guys that need way more love. And thankfully, Drew Thorpe and Chase Hampton are starting to get some of that love, but Pereira should be getting a lot more love than he's, than he's gotten to this point. You combine his double and triple numbers. He's slashing 300, 363, 536. Why are we doing Greg Allen and Billy McKinney when this guy is hitting well enough in Scranton? Yeah. I'd rather see him try and sink or swim out there. And you know, he's going to hit home runs. I mean, this guy's hit a home run already 454 feet, 90th percentile of 109. Let's do it, man. Six foot. Six foot 170 guy. Like that's, that's four, he's got 70 juice potentially here. People are always going to show up to the ballpark. Like people are always going to go to Yankee Stadium. But I mean, you can make it that much more enjoyable yes. if this guy is in the lineup, if Peraza is in the lineup. I mean, the active roster right now, who are your outfielders that are rostered? Greg Allen, Harrison Bader, Jake Bowers, Oswaldo, Judge, IKF, they list as an outfielder, and Billy McKinney. You're telling me Pereira can't unseat any of those guys? Yeah. No, nah, I mean, that's any? great. You know, you know what the comp is for me, too, is is kind of Christopher Morrell-esque. Dude, Morrell's awesome. Morrell's must-see TV. You, you know what I'm saying, though? Where, like, Morrell could have went one or two, one or two ways. you got to take the good with the bad. When he's for hot, sure. he might be one of the hottest hitters on the planet. When he's cold, like, it's going to be tough. It's like, to watch. Must-see TV. 115-mile-per-hour max exit velocity for, for Everson Pereira. He's 22. Come um, on. Uh, this guy's this guy's got big time upside. <laughs> Another Giffy Cat that's not working. Hmm. Uh, 64, Arelvis Martinez. Talk about a guy who has just cleaned up his image. And I don't even mean that in like the the optic way, but like just a guy that I, I couldn't have been more just like disinterested in. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the Blue Jays prospect looks like he's going to be a solid big league piece. He's kind of improved across the board. Man, I get re- it's really just been everywhere. And this is another prospect fatigue guy. Um, mm-hmm. And he, he, to me, he's jumped over Marco Luciano and those types. Exit velocities are, are not far off, 106 mile per hour, 90th percentile. Contact rates are, are right about average, maybe slightly below. 
He's finally cut down on the chase a little bit, walking more than he ever has in his entire life. He's hitting the ball in the air consistently. He's not totally selling out for pull. He looks like a good hitter to me, man. Like He looks like a guy that's going to be a productive big league third baseman. I could have sworn he was like 24 years old. Right? By now. He's been around for so long. He was a 20-year-old that spent the entire year in double-A last year. 20 years old. Um, Martinez, I thought it was good that they had him repeat double because there were so many flaws in that approach. And oh, yeah. I mean, it was bad. Like, he was contentious off top 100 lists. And if yeah. you had him on, I'm like, I, I think anybody doing? could point to he's hitting 200 and he punched out a billion times last year. This year, just different type of beast, like you're mentioning. I mean, there, there's something about the tangible fix that results in numbers taking a complete 180, and that's exactly what's happened with this guy. And I, I can't wait to see him. Indy goes to Buffalo in two weeks. Can't wait to see him. No, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, and this is something I hit on in the write-up here is, you know, he makes that tangible adjustment. It's more, a little bit more stacked and coiled on his backside. Still has the leg kick, but now he's able to stay on the ball longer, not totally selling out for, for pull side. And when he was selling out for pull side, it was pulling him off of every breaking ball and, and basically anything that wasn't a fastball. <laughs> he had a 90% zone contact rate on fastballs last year, which is nuts given what his strikeout rate was. But then against non-fastballs, he hit 175 with a 36% K rate. So now you take that that spinning off, stays on the ball better. He's still hitting fastballs. And now his OPS against breaking balls goes from 600 to 800, over 800. I mean, like that that's a big difference. It was under 600 to it's over 800. Night. That's that, that, that plays. Absolutely plays. 63. <laughs> total opposite type of player here. Luis Lara. Um, we got a lot of love for ranking Luis Lara. I know Brewers fans were excited. And then shortly after, he gets promoted to high A. I think one of the safest bats at the lower levels, switch hitter, plus plus hit tool. I mean, contact rates are elite. Um, you know, I, there's definitely a little bit to be desired in the power department, but I don't think it's as bad as people would have thought. Like this isn't like Xavier Edwards type where it's 97 mile per hour, 90th percentile. It's, you know, right around 100, 101, you know, and, and he flashes the ability to, you know, at least run into an average exit velocity here and there. And again, he's 18 years old. Um, so I do think that there could be slightly below average power. That's all he needs because he has plenty of field to hit from both sides. He finds the gaps. He hits the ball in the air. He walks a ton, an extremely advanced approach. I have not seen that many, this many young, like any young hitters like this dude that have the plus plus hit tool and are patient. They're always aggressive when they have this kind of hit tool. 21% chase rate with this plus-plus hit tool. I couldn't be more in on Luis Lara, who is one of the safest bets to be a big leaguer. Good good center fielder as well. Did you see what he did in his high-A debut? No. At 18 years old in his high-A debut, one for three with a walk and stole two bases. Yeah. I mean, that's him. Nobody walks in their high A debut at 18 years old. <laughs> nobody debuts in high A at 18 years old, but like nobody walks in it. Come on. Like, you, you make a great point because there are so many guys that expand their zone when they're 18 and they hit like this. If you're not going to strike out, you're going to slap everything all around the ballpark. And the fact that he just put up a 380 OBP in low A as an 18 year old, come on, man. Switch hitter. I mean, I, I'm really excited about this guy and makeup off the charts by all accounts, too. So and I love the way he plays. It's you have to be to not live at the complex when you're 18. <laughs> yeah, right. 
it's it, this shows you the, the confidence they have in him as a as a player. They're giving him the, the Chorio treatment by you know making him the, the only eighteen year old at that at that level. Uh, yeah. I guess him and you know he joins Ethan Salas as the only guys that are eighteen and younger at the high A level. That, yep. I mean that says a lot. Sixty two Noble Meyer. I, only so much that we can talk about here, but I, I did get to see a little bit of his first two outings at the complex. Very raw in terms of just like what he can be, but I thought very mature in terms of his, you know, ability to kind of pitch like for lack of a better word. Like he, he mm-hmm. looks like he has a good feel for his body. Looks like he, you know, was throwing strikes. And I think this guy's going to be damn good. Um, Marlon's first round pick 10th overall this past year, six foot five, three quarter release point gets really good arm side run on the fastball. Good extension gets in on hitters quickly. Uh, the last outing went two and a third, walked two, didn't give up any hits, struck out four. His slider is devastating. It is just from that three-quarter release point, man, it looks like it's sweeping across the the entire, not even the home plate, like both batter's boxes. And then you get the fastball running the other way. The big thing that can put him over the top here is that feel for the changeup. Well, good news, he's in the good organization for the changeup. Yes, 100%. Um, I think there's a lot of – Fresh off the draft, Mick Abel in Noble Meyer. And, and I know that it's curveball versus slider, but you know what I mean? Two pitch mix, tall, lanky, high school righty. And you immediately impress. I feel like, hey, and listen, we we didn't talk bad about Mick Abel, but we were just saying like, hey, here's why he's not a top 50 prospect in baseball. Here's why he's a top 75 prospect in baseball, top 80. Um, I think Meyer probably has some of that pedigree there where he was immediately gifted the opportunity to be a top 70 prospect yeah. in the game. And he only has the chance to elevate. Now, if he can't throw strikes, yeah. he'll drop a little bit, but um, yeah, I think he's got a lot of that Mick Abel esque intrigue out of the draft. And there's more in that frame, more velocity in there. He's touched 97. It's low effort. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see. Yeah. And it can go one way or another. Um, and yeah. I think he'll take care of the lower levels and then it's, you know, how does he handle high a double a, and and it's which direction does he go? Is he the Griff McGarry direction, like we we're saying, or the Painter direction? And it'll be fun to, to watch. If there's one thing the Marlins can do is develop guys like this. So, you know, it's going to be fun to see how they do. If I'm drafting a high school pitcher, I want him looking like Noble Meyer, too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and and again, I like the release point. I think it's 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 unique. It's different. And uh, a change up from there could be could be real tough. Last but not least on the day, it would have been the only other guy that is 18 years old at the high A level, but I think he just turned 19. So Samuel Basayo, it just turned 19 three days ago. Yep. Catcher, Oriole system. What this guy's been doing as well, man, has been pretty special. I mean, talk about a guy that got comfortable in high A relatively quickly. It was like a little bit of a, a learning curve for him, and then he's been going nuts since. I don't know if he's going to stick at catcher. He's shown some improvement there from the video that I've seen over even just the course of this year. But kind of the same conversation as the rushing, the you know the Soderstroms, the, the other the other guys we've talked about. This bat will take him very very far. Um, and if he you know obviously they, they're pretty set at catcher for like the rest of our lives uh, with, with Adley there. But again, it's a guy that can kind of plug and play. You can do whatever. Uh, but just from sh- sheer prospectability. Basayo's a monster, 6'5", like, or sorry, 6'1", like 230 pounds or something like that. He's strong. He already taps into plus exit velocities. Um, he's already touched 112 
before he turned 19. And I mean, he's been incredibly productive. And I think there's more in there in terms of the consistency with the hit tool and approach wise. This guy could be a special bat. He's a huge human. That's the thing. Like, I think the reason people fell in love with Diego Cartaya are the same reasons that people are going to fall in love with Samuel Basayo. And Basayo, yes, okay, he moves off of catcher. He plays first base. The Orioles don't really have, you know, first base. Ryan Mountcastle has been very disappointing so far. So Basayo is a very far ways away, but, you know, there's nothing blocking a rocket ship at first base. And I think that Basayo can absolutely be a rocket ship at first base. He's the biggest kid on like the little league team right now. He doesn't have that much definition. Um, I think the more time he spends in pro ball, the more he's going to like really fill out and look like a big, strong kid. But now Mm -hmm. he's just like the big kid that hits the shit out of the ball. Yeah. And I I think he's going to get stronger too. That's the thing is like, there's not like projection on the frame, but I think it's like, it's just a big young kid. That's going to convert a lot of that like mass into muscle. And, um, that's scary because he's already got a 90th percentile of 106. And like I said, flashing the 112s and hits the ball in the air and it's power to all fields and p- potential plus plus power. So really excited to see what he can do. Oreos aren't always the most aggressive unless they really like you, like a Kobe Mayo type. And clearly they really like Basayo and they're comfortable being aggressive with him. Um, I'll just wrap up with his last five games in high A. Ten hits, four extra base hits, two walks, three Ks. Um He's settling in, man. Love it. That'll do it for this episode. We got three more to go as we go from 60 all the way to one. Looking forward to continuing to do that with you all. We still do, we do have that Davis Schneider interview coming up. Turns out when you're in the big leagues, you got a lot of things going on. So uh, Davis, Davis was sure that we're going to make it happen very soon, but I just want to give an update on that. I mean, he's just too, too busy mashing baseballs for, you know, the Toronto Blue Jays, but excited to get him on here very soon. Um, Really excited to hear what you all think about the list. Again, that link is in the episode description. Bunch of stuff coming out on justbaseball.com continuously through the rest of this year. And if you can leave a review, help us grow the show, that would be great. Don't forget to check out all it's in the episode description. That'll do it. We got prospects 60 to 41 in our next episode. Look forward to talking to you then. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.